Just like Jesus, we will suffer at times, but there's something you can learn from it. Jesus didn't escape suffering. Instead, he learned from it. I mean, he was the unique son of God, and he suffered. He was honored and beloved firstborn, and he suffered. He was the faithful and sinless son. He suffered. He was soon to be glorified in heaven. He suffered, and he suffered, and suffered. He was sorrowful and deeply distressed. The Bible speaks of Jesus as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. This is amazing grace. Welcome to another Abounding Grace broadcast. In just a moment, I'll hand things over to Pastor Ed Taylor, who today picks up where we left off in Hebrews chapter 5. So, how are things going for you? Really, maybe hope is low right now, and you're wondering how you can get out of bed in the morning. We all suffer, but today we want to show you the great purpose behind it all. You see, God wants us to learn something from it, and Jesus is our great example on how to do that. He suffered but learned obedience through it all. Let's see how we can too. Tragedy awakens people. And for us as believers, it should, waken, it should awaken us. We shouldn't just write things off. We shouldn't just become so political. We shouldn't just become so critical. We shouldn't just, no, we should go to our knees in prayer and ask God how he's gonna use us in our community. Because what happened at Rangeview just a few days ago, praise God, no one was hurt. But that's not normal. It's not right. And yet that's the world in which we live. And we have the hope of Jesus Christ in us so that we might begin to, you see, it's a seriousness. And people begin, I, I know for a fact, people on that property, after they're evacuated, began to think about God again. They were wakened up. They were awakened to the reality of the brevity of life and the danger of life. And you know as well as I do that life has a way of lulling us to sleep. And it doesn't take some situation at Rangeview to open us up. Sometimes it's in our own lives. Personal tragedy. You know, when tragedy hits home, close to home, people really start to reflect on life. They begin to reflect on what their life is. But then there is that always temptation to just be mad. Maybe that's you today. You're just mad at God. Life has been hard. Let me just tell you, I'm sorry that life has been hard. It is. It is incredibly hard. Sin has so wrecked this world. Yeah, it's true. It's, life is easier for others. It's true. Some people have it harder than others. Yes. But here's the thing I've learned over the years. Everyone suffers. Everyone. Believer, unbeliever alike. The millionaire and the one that owes millions. Everyone suffers. No one gets a pass. The wages of sin is and always will be death and destruction and difficulty. 
And if you're here today and you're asking, what is going on? Why is this happening? Why has a good God allowed bad things to happen? Listen, it is sin that has caused such havoc in the world today. And even on a smaller scale, it's our sin that has hurt others and hurt ourselves from time to time. And as we read of our Jesus learning obedience through suffering, we too learn obedience through suffering. God is not a myth. He's not a fairy tale. God is real, your creator. He hasn't abandoned humanity. Even if you feel like that at times. Maybe you feel isolated today. You feel like, man, well, forget about humanity, Ed. I feel like God's abandoned me. Listen, God has not abandoned you. He has not turned his back upon you. Rather, he has permanently invaded humanity by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to live as a human being, God in human flesh, to die a torturous death for you and me, so that by faith in him, you can be brought back into a right relationship with your creator. That's the only way. There is no other way. And God hasn't abandoned us. But in order for love to be truly expressed as love, there has to be a choice. And many, many people make bad choices that bring great pain to us. Because God won't force you to love him. He won't make you love him. But he'll offer you the choice. Will you turn to him today? Things are broken on the earth today. That's pretty obvious. Things are broken in our lives. Broken hearts, broken marriages, broken relationships. But God hasn't abandoned us. You know the big difference, really, of pain in the world is between believer and unbeliever. Because because for a believer, when pain enters our lives, we know that there's a purpose in the pain. We understand that God uses all things in our lives. Matter of fact, just so God would have us to remember it, he put it in a verse. He put it in the Bible where it says, we know, that's a word of great confidence, we know that all things are working together for the good, for those that love God and those that are called according. And that we refers to followers of Jesus Christ because, because, Those that are separated from God, they don't see any purpose in the pain. They don't see how anything's gonna work. They don't know what, this is is ridiculous. How could could this ever mean anything? Because there's no hope. I have have the privilege, I've had the privilege of officiating many memorial services and there's a great difference between a person that died in Christ and a person that didn't. The room is different. The feeling, the atmosphere is different. And I'll tell you the difference. It's one group has hope and another group has hopelessness. And any of you that have ever been in a condition of hopelessness, you know that's a real dark place to be, even as believers. And anytime you hear the word hopelessness, I want you to pray for those that are thinking about suicide. Because hopelessness gives birth to thoughts of suicide. And if you're even thinking about that today, you've even had the thought of suicide, would you please, please ask for help? Your life is far more valuable than what you see right now and what you feel right now 
and in the darkness of where you are, it's just not helping you by not asking somebody for help. I know it might be embarrassing. I know it might put you in a vulnerable place, but it'll keep you alive. So would you please ask for help? And we'll pray that the right people get into your life. You could even ask for help today. You, you can come up right after the service. You could call us if you're watching online or listening on the radio. You can call us. Call the church, 303-628-7200, and ask for help. Allow God to minister to that deep part of your life. Perhaps the asking for help actually isn't from another person, but by the time we leave today, you finally surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you ask God for help. He will answer that call. He will receive that. He will meet you where you are. You see, hopelessness buries a person. And yet, God has strength for us and hope available to us. He is using the pains and problems in our lives to be very often, you know, we were speaking a little bit earlier about how sports is a great connection with people. You want to know an even greater connection with people? Pain. It's something that we all share. And it's such a powerful bridge to enter into someone's life when you share a common pain. Not only are people that have went through what you've gone through attracted to you, but have you noticed that you too are looking for people and now are attracted to people that are suffering what you're going through? That's a God thing. That's part of his plan. That's a piece of the puzzle, how God is determined to use you in this world. And our own Jesus, notice, was in a, a place of great difficulty in verse 7. It speaks of him in the days of his flesh when he offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Now you Bible students, this is referring to one point in time in the life of Jesus. You Bible students, tell me where this happened. In the garden of Gethsemane. You could even say that Jesus is in the shadow of the cross. It's just up ahead. And he comes to a familiar place of prayer with his disciples. Yeah, most of them fall asleep, but not Jesus. It's described, not only was he deep in anguish and prayer, it's described that he was sweating like great drops of blood, vehement cries. And what is he praying? He's praying about the cross, his impending crucifixion. And he's wrestling with the reality. Don't, don't think in any way that he wants to sidestep his responsibility, not at all. But he is feeling the full weight of what is to come. And what does he ask? He, he asks the Father, he says, and I know you might have asked this, he's asked the Father, if there's any way, any other way that humanity can be saved, please take this from me. And the phrase in Matthew 26, if you're taking notes, is, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me, the cup of suffering. But remember how Jesus ended that request. He said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So let's take this back to the text. So it says in verse 8 that Jesus, though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. I believe this is a uh, targeted obedience. This isn't just general obedience, but tied together with Gethsemane, it is a obedience that will cover everything else in our lives. And what is that? It is learning 
that God's will is better than my will and submitting to that. That's the pattern that Jesus gave us. Because I think when we come to God in prayer, we really do kind of think that prayer is going to change God in some way. And we come to God in prayer, and I'm sure if we recorded your prayers, recorded my prayers, and played them back for us, it probably sounds something like this. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, requests and thanksgiving are not bad things. And in no way am I mocking our prayers. But I do believe that God is trying to teach us something about prayer, and that is this. Prayer is not a tool to change God. Prayer changes you. Prayer changes me. When I come to God with my request, I accept God's answers. But that's not how we think. We've got to help ourselves. Because, you know, we use phrases in the church. We use phrases as Christians that, that we kind of use and we all know. But there are people here that don't know the phrases. So, so we use a phrase that we refer to as open doors to reflect God just saying, go. Go take care of it. Go have it. And an open door makes sense, right? An open door means you can go through it. An open door means it's welcome. Come on through. And so when we pray for God, God, uh, give me that job. And you get the job. You're like, Yes! open door. I've been looking for this job for a long time. I've needed this job. And so what do we do when we receive an answer like that? We throw a party. We get everybody together. I got a job. We get an ice cream cake. (laughs) And we eat the ice cream first, then the frosting. And the cake is 50-50. You never know. We throw a party. God has answered my prayers. This is awesome. This is great. Why? Because we equated this job, well, really, we prayed for the job, God gave us the job, we're happy. And so we should be. Do we throw parties, though, for the five job interviews that tanked? You know how you were praying for the job? You went into the interview and they said, no, thank you. Interview number two, overqualified. Interview number three, we just gave the job away. Four, five. Did we throw a party for those answers? No, because of this. We look at that as a closed door, and it is very discouraging. But wasn't it the answer that you were asking God for? Weren't you asking, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done? Sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't. And so we learn obedience through suffering, just like Jesus did. Because I share that, and I know at least a couple of people in our church that what I just described is exactly what they've been going through. And their response is they're learning obedience. Because prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes us. And as we cry out, we come to that place of obedience, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus didn't escape suffering. Instead, he learned from it. I mean, he was the unique son of God, and he suffered. He was honored and beloved firstborn, and he suffered. He was the faithful and sinless son. He suffered. He was soon to be glorified in heaven. He suffered. And it suffered and suffered. He was sorrowful and deeply distressed. The Bible speaks of Jesus as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And so God is using prayer to change us 
from the inside out. It's not for God to do my bidding. It's for me to do his. It's for me to get in line with him. It's for me to be sensitive to the world around me. It's for me to be waking up out of sleep. It's for me to be open and ready to be used by God. It's for me to be reminded that my sole purpose on the earth is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then those other things will be added unto me. And that's our problem. That's our problem. We just aren't seeking God first. We aren't. And we won't. And you go, Ed, well, prove that to me. Well, why in the world would God tell us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness if there wouldn't be times we're not doing it? That's the key, church. I know we're in an upside-down world. I know maybe your world's upside down. I mean, in a real way, we're, we all are walking wounded in this world. And yet, God has awakened us to hope. He's awakened us to obedience. The key of progress for the believer is to learn obedience. Or as one author said, I don't want to waste my suffering. I remember reading that for the first time. And you know what I said to the author, even though the author is in heaven right now? You know what I said to the author as I was reading that book? I don't want to suffer. Do you know what the author said back to me? Nothing. But give me a few years. Give me some time to walk, to learn to abide in Jesus through the trial. And I can say with you today, I don't want to waste my suffering. I want to be used to the highest capacity in my life. And I want that for you too. I don't want us just to be churchgoers, gathering together for an hour and not impacting the world that we're in. There's so many people just like us before we got saved that are walking around hopeless, devastated. And so I'm reminded today in our high priest, Jesus Christ, he learned obedience. How? Through suffering. And you are learning the same thing if you allow God to teach you through the pain. Your pain has a purpose. Jesus Christ, our high priest, learned obedience by his experiences in life. He didn't gain new knowledge as God. He learned through the experiences of his life obedience, surrender, through vehement cries, great drops of blood sweating from his brow. He had to experience what others experienced so he could be a faithful and compassionate high priest. And that final experience was his torturous death, his resurrection and ascension into heaven. So no matter what trials we meet, Jesus is able to understand us and how careful we need to be not to be sidetracked, not to get off course. But ever there was a time in human history for the church to rise up and seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it's now. He doesn't just want us to be good boys and good girls. He wants us to be mighty men and women following him in obedience, surrendering our lives to him, using everything that he's entrusted to us, using all of it, presenting it right back to him for his purposes. So know today that Jesus relates to you on so many levels, and one of the levels is suffering. He learned obedience through suffering, and that's the work that God is doing in us. Amen?
That is Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, and today's message is titled, The Suffering High Priest. You can hear it again right now at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through the Calvary Church app. Well, Pastor Ed, in today's message, you spoke about suicide. As you know, that's been a very real issue in our world, especially during the pandemic. Would you speak to that person listening right now that's having suicidal thoughts? You know, Larry, it's a very serious matter when suicide is on the table. And um, for those that are listening right now, that suicide has become part of your option. I just want to let you know how important you are. I know that the desire to escape your current pain is real. Uh, Even though the solution is not the right solution, I can understand how that would pass through your mind. Um, Can I just ask you to please ask someone for help? Since you're listening to me already and God has arranged it so my voice is in your life, would you please ask for help? Suicidal thinking uh, is something that we want to get out and talk about why uh, the problem you're facing right now, um, you've come to a place where you have a short-term solution with a long-lasting problem that's going to outlast you. It's going to wreak havoc in your family. It's going to wreak havoc among your friends, everyone that cares for you. For you. And so please find someone you can trust and speak with them um, because I can say things will get better. Uh, And I know it's hard to hear because you just don't see a way out, but things will get better. And, And so practical things, you can call 911 or go to an emergency room and let them know about your thoughts. You can call a friend, a family member, a doctor, a pastor, a church, a counselor, Uh, You can call a suicide helpline like 1-800-273-8255, 800-273-8255. Maybe even put that number in your contacts so you have it available to use. Um, But the Bible's filled with a lot of men and women crying out to God in the middle of their distress, and the Psalms are filled with it, but at the very least, please, please ask for help, and I know that God will be there for you and will use the a human being, another human being to encourage you and to help you through this crisis. Again, friend, we would love to speak with you. So please reach out to us by phone. The number is 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. Or you can email us through our website at aboundinggraceradio.com. Thank you for remembering Abounding Grace and your giving to the Lord. Every gift that comes in goes right to ministry. It plays an important role in helping us bring the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. And when you support the ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'll say thanks by sending you Skip Heitzig's book, How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It. Maybe you're not getting a lot out of your time in the Word these days, or you're unsure how to go about it. Allow Pastor Skip to help you through this wonderful book. To order it today, call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you'd just like to make a donation to the ministry and not interested in the book, you can donate safely and securely at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We're gathering in person at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, and we'd love to have you join us for a service. To see when and where we meet or to watch our live stream, visit calvaryco.church. 
Pastor Ed is back with us now to lead us in prayer. So, Father, we know that uh, there's so much to learn as we submit ourselves to you and so much pain, God. It's just, it stinks. Life is hard. But I'm grateful, God, that you enable us and strengthen us to live day by day, moment by moment sometimes, trusting you, living life for you and to you and through you. And so I thank you for the example you set for us. It's a hard one, but I'm grateful, God, that you're faithful to teach us and to grow us. And I'm grateful that you heal the broken hearts and you comfort the downcast. Would you continue to put your hand around us, protecting us? Be with the kids that are just dealing with stuff in their mind, the anxiety, the worry. And it's not just in our community. This stuff's everywhere. It's the world. And so help us, God, not to run away, but to run into your will. Amen. Well, tomorrow on Abounding Grace, we'll discover there's no excuse to be spiritually immature. We'll be back in Hebrews chapter 5, and we hope you can join us. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.